Welcome to the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. It's time for you. A podcast produced for the sheep industry by Sheep Connect New South Wales. Hi, I'm Fiona MacArthur, a network coordinator for Sheep Connect New South Wales. The Sheep Extension Network in New South Wales, which is funded by Australian Wool Innovation. Sheep Connect New South Wales has a membership of over 2,200 and our main aim is to help keep you and your sheep business up to date on information about all things sheep. Landmarking is an important event on the management calendar for all sheep producers. It is a time to undertake husbandry practices, including tail docking, castration, mulesing and vaccination. These preventative measures support the ongoing improved health and welfare of the youngest members of the Australian sheep flock. In this episode of It's Time For You, I'm joined by Dr. Tim Gold to discuss some of the important aspects of landmarking and the use of anaesthesia and analgesia in Australia. Tim is a veterinarian with 14 years experience with sheep in New South Wales, Queensland and the UK. Tim now resides in Dubbo and is the principal of a production and consulting firm focusing on sheep, aptly named for flock's sake. Welcome, Tim, and thank you for joining me on It's Time For You. G'day, Fiona. Pleasure to be here. Tim, landmarking's certainly a busy time on the sheep management calendar. It always sends my hubby into a bit of a tailspin because there's so many jobs to be done. What are the main principles producers need to focus on to achieve best practice management? Yeah, great, Fiona. I suppose, um, you know, if anyone's ever read that Stephen Covey book, uh, Habits of a Highly Effective People, um, he always talks about that um, a principle is basically a rule that's permanent, unchanging and universal. So in my mind, I think about, well, how do I, how do I put that in the lens of um, landmarking? And then I think the best way I do it in my mind is to go, well, you know, if we're doing um, these procedures on our animals, well, it's kind of like a little bit like we're surgeons because, um, you know, and we want to do treat everything like a surgeon. And, and that's how I think about it. So my core, I suppose, principles is that I like to think about, you know, hygiene. Um, we've got to make things as clean as possible um, because, Cleanliness is next to godliness, and the more the cleaner we can make it, the less of the chances we're going to have um, one increased trauma, but also um, reduced um, infection rates. The other one to think about is well, we've got these patients. Um, we want to minimise the stress to them, and, and that can take a lot of forms. But we want to, as a principle, minimise stress, and then the third one probably is to maximise recovery. And, you know, I suppose a lot of these things I like um, are listed in the um, plan, prepare and conduct best welfare practice landmarking procedures training guide. So AWI, um, World Producers and Livestock Contractors Association, put it together. And that's how I do it. Just simple hygiene, minimise stress, maximise recovery. Yeah, and that handout is certainly available on the AWI website, wool.com. Tim, how important is it? to get the timing of landmarking correct? Oh, it's really important, Fiona. And the reason that is, is we've got um, two considerations. Um, we want to keep the wound as small as possible. Um, and the reason that is, is bigger wounds um, uh, give the bacteria um, more chance to kind of cause our patient's drama. So we don't want 
them too old. So any older than eight weeks, one, it's going to be heavy lifting. Um, anyone who's lifted an older lamb knows that. Um, older than eight weeks is going to be heavy lifting, but also it's going to be bigger wounds, so we're going to have bigger um, contamination rates. And secondly, um, too young, then we're going to give um, our little ones a really a significant setback. Remember we talked about one of our principles is minimise stress. Under two weeks, it's a really big setback to, for a little lamb. So I would say the perfect age is between two and eight weeks. Um, so basically that's, you know, two months after the first lamb drops. Tim, I love your analogy, which you just mentioned when you answered my first question, and that's that sheep producers are surgeons and we can look then for sheep as our patients. And it really, to me, it puts such an important emphasis on the landmarking practices. Why is this analogy so important to you and why should producers be keeping it in mind this year? Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's a little bit of fun and I like using this tool as a way to kind of make me think a bit differently about what we're doing. And that's what I think when you talk about the principles is an overarching and universal kind of truth. And I thought, well, once if we're marking lambs, then we're creating a surgical wound by definition. Therefore, we're surgeons. And as a surgeon, you know, what are our principles? Then we're going to be surgeons are precise, aren't they? They're surgeons are clean. Surgeons minimise patient discomfort and surgeons maximise patient health. And that's why I love that as a, an analogy to describe it, because it gives us such a different way of looking at things like a look at the yards, then over the yards anymore, they're an operating theatre. And that makes in my mind, I go, well, that's very different. An operating theatre needs to be clean um, and needs to have clean gear, sharp gear, hot gear. And it just kind of helps me kind of take, take my mind to another place and, and lift my personal standards as well. Yeah, I really, I really like it, and I've enjoyed your analogy over the last few years. All surgeries, though, have their complications. So, what are some of the difficulties which may arrive arise over the lamb marking time? Yeah, great, Fiona. Um, you know, and as surgeons, we want to minimise those complications. So, probably one of the big complications that I see coming from um, lamb marking is arthritis. And so, basically, arthritis can occur when um, bacteria gets in um, into the joints, which don't really have good immune systems, but how they get there from um, marking wounds is that the bacteria get into the bloodstream um, from our wound and then go along in the bloodstream and find a, find a spot. So arthritis is one. What are the um, things that kind of can increase the rate of arthritis? And that's mulesing, marking, shearing, and towel docking. But the bigger the wound, the bigger the chance of arthritis. The more contaminated the wound, the bigger the chance of arthritis. Um, arthritis can come in a couple of different forms, um, and it's important if you ha are having problems with arthritis um, that you get a vet in to diagnose that because there are some things you can do um, preventively um, in some vaccinations to help you. The other, probably the big one that I think about is, um, you know, tetanus is another big one. So tetanus is a bug, lives in the soil, lives in plenty of yards. And what it does is that it loves wounds and particularly older wounds. So, you know, um, think of if you cut yourself on a you know, rusty nail or something like that, the doctor gives you a tetanus needle. Well, we've got to be careful that our wounds that we're creating don't get um, too dirty and we're protecting our patients as best we can. And the best way to do that is by vaccinating. And the big thing I always think in my mind is, um, you know, Vaccines like shoes, um, one is probably better than none, 
but it doesn't really get you anywhere. So that's why we need two vaccines. So for our lambs, we want to give them a vaccine um, at landmarking and another one at weaning. But also we want to make sure their mums are vaccinated regularly so that they pass on the protection um, for that kind of early period up to about six weeks, um, you know, in the in the colostrum. So that's really, really important, you know, to help protect our, our little lambs. Tim, one of the new things that's coming out with vaccine programs over the last few years, so not altogether that new, but it's certainly a new concept still for some producers, is the importance of needle lengths. What have you run into around this topic? Yeah, that's really interesting, Fiona, because, um, you know, the appropriate needle length is a quarter inch needle. And I don't think um, as an industry, we've probably adopted that, but it's really important because we don't want a really big needle. Really big needle goes deeper than we need it to do and we can cause um, inflammation in the muscles. Because remember, all our vaccines, or certainly our clostridial vaccines, need to go under the skin. So a quarter inch needle is short enough that it gets under the skin, but not deep enough that it can go into the muscle and cause increased inflammation and discomfort to our patients. So quarter inch needle is the is the answer to that question. Tim, recommendations on tail docking is another concept that gets thrown around industry a lot, along with our needle links there. Tail docking to joint three and four, how important is it to get the tail length correct when you're doing the tail docking? Yeah, really good question, Fiona, because this is something that I I see at probably other end when it when it's not done correctly. So um, for everyone, it's between the third and fourth joint. And why that's so important is well, one um, at that length of tail, they can you know the you can lift her tail, and it helps channel all the urine and feces away from the breech area, which is important to minimise that um, discoloration, which kind of uh, you know tracks the flies down the track. This little bit of a wiggle also helps reduce um, fly strike. But one of the big ones is, you know, covering uh, the bare area um, of that breech um, with the tail. You'll notice, and then anyone who's traded really old sheep, and I've seen a lot of them um, come come across this year, is that short, really short tails don't, you know, give the, the sunroof or the sun visor over that breech area. And so there's a really increased risk of getting skin cancers, just like us, if we go out without a hat on. Um, we've got an increased risk of skin cancer in that kind of vulval area. Third one is that um, tails that are too short um, actually don't act appropriately um, to minimise the chance of rectal prolapse. So the idea is that having a tail that's, you know, that three joints long allows the muscles that kind of around the sphincter um, to, I suppose, have an anchor to snap shut. What I've seen, particularly in meat sheeps um, and you know in feedlot environments, is that tail length. If it's too short, it really doesn't kind of contain everything properly, and that's where we get an increase in rectal prolapses. Um, and the fourth one is just again what we talked about being surgeons. You know, we want smaller wounds, um, and, you know, because that one reduces the chance of infection, but two um, has shorter healing times. And that's when we talked about that principle of patient recovery. We want them healing um, as fast as possible. 
Tim, we've sort of covered off on quite a few practical aspects there of landmarking, which is fantastic. I'd like to move on now to some of the more important technical side of things. And for me, that's best practice surgery, and it happens when we go to the dentist, so it should happen on farm too, relies on the effective use of anaesthesia and analgesia. And we're fortunate enough in Australia to have a number of options now available to us as producers. Can you firstly tell us the difference between these two types of products and when we should be using them? Yeah, Fiona, so to understand how the product is, we've just got to understand what, how, I suppose, a pain kind of works in our bodies and what function pain is, which is kind of a bit of a funny thing to think about, the function of pain, but it certainly has a function. Um, and so when we um, initially hurt ourselves, and so think of when you touch a hot plate, your hand moves away really quick, um, and that is called, that part of the pain cycle is fast pain. Um, and generally that is acute phase pain. And what's happening there is it's the body's, um, in, you suppose, insult detection system. So it goes, oh, there's damage happening, do something about it. And so for humans, that's us moving our hand away from the hot plate. Um, but for animals, that might be run away from the pain or, or behaviourally do something. So that happens. And then after that happens, um, we move into a chronic phase of pain. And that's that kind of throbbing you have on your hand after you've burnt it. What's happening there is the damaged cells are releasing chemicals, um, but also the body's kind of flooding the area with, I suppose, blood vessels and white blood cells, the immune system, because it goes, hey, we know from the acute phase that we've got some injury down here. Let's get the immune system and the recovery system getting in there to kind of, I suppose, fight the fire of all that inflammation. So from that, we've got we've got two different kind of aspects in that in that pain space, but we've got products that work in very different ways that address both. And the first one is um, anaesthetics. Now anaesthetic, and a lot of people would have had one of these, it's the local block you get um, when you're at the dentist, or if you've had a little cut stitched up um, in an emergency centre. And basically what that is, that local anaesthetic acts to, I suppose, mute the phone, which is the phone line from where the insult or the damage is happening to our brain to say what's happening. So our anaesthetics work in that space and go, hey, they'll mute the phone. It's fantastic because they generally work very, very quickly. The downside of that is that um, they wear off pretty quickly as well. Um, so, you know, two examples of that, and we could go through them in a second, is, is talking about, well, numnuts, which is the anaesthetic applied with the ring, and then trisulfan, which is the spray-on anaesthetic. After that, the other group, remember, that, that's, that's dealing with that acute pain phase, and now we'll talk about, well, what about a chronic pain phase? And the main, um, I suppose, drugs we have in there are called analgesics. And the examples that we have available to sheep producers now is, you know, um, injectable um, versions like Medicam and, and oral versions, well, oral kind of paste versions that go inside the um, lips called buccalgesic. Now, how these chemicals work um, is that they are about dosing the flames of inflammation. So they go in there and they reduce the effects of all that inflammation. And by reducing the effects of inflammation, they decrease, I suppose, the pain and discomfort. So something really common would be Nurofen. That is the same type of drug um, that uh, the injectable Medicam or Buccalgesic is. You know, and that's why I think it's, you know, such a good thing, you know, when we talked about 
um, going to the dentist is that the same drugs or same type of drugs that the dentist uses on us as patients, we've got an opportunity to use on our patients and really push that story that they're, that they're getting a human level care when we do these animal husbandry procedures. Tim, there must be a whole heap of benefits to using these two groups of products. What can producers expect to see in their sheep? Oh, yeah, definitely, Fiona. There's a whole range of um, benefits that we'll see. You know, probably the first one is, is the behavioural benefits. And that's how I see um, Anasex and analgesics working together. And, and they do work together. Um, they can work alone, but actually it's, you know, not one plus one equals two, it's one plus one equals three. They actually help each other. Um, and that's why we, we recommend that we use both if possible. In regards to um, do we use two products or one? Well, basically my comment is any weapon is, is better than no weapon in the surgeon's fight against pain. And that's what we are, we're sheep surgeons, but two is better than one. So they actually work better together. And there's been some really good studies by Alison Small from CSIRO and her team that show that once we use um, the different, uh, different, I suppose, anesthetics and analgesics, you use them together, you get significantly better outcomes. So we've got this real opportunity there to, you know, one or score a try, but we get to convert the try using um, both products. Um, so yeah, behavioural benefits is just one, we want to maximise patient comfort, don't we? So we get a, see, we see a reduced discomfort behaviour. Um, one of the practical benefits we get um, for producers is that it's easier to move them around post-marking, which is really important to get them back, you know, to the to the recovery ward, back out to the paddock, and back out to their mum. So we get better mothering up, and because we get that reduced discomfort um, behaviour, we don't get as much drag in the tails, and so we get less wound contamination. And that's what I really like. Remember, the bigger the wounds we have, the more chance we've got of contamination, and we really want to keep those wounds as clean as possible. The next benefit, I think, is the benefit to the immune system. So these are now things we don't see. Um, and what we see by using these ANA products, anesthetics and analgesics, is we get reduced um, stress on the immune system. So the immune system gets stressed in, the, in our market procedures. And so what it means is that by reducing the stress on the immune system, our immune system and our white blood cells are better at fighting all the um, inflammation and also any chance of getting the infection. Next, we've got our physiological, um, I suppose, aspects. And the benefits of using these um, products is that we've got less physiological stress, so less kind of, I suppose, um, biochemical stress. Um, and what that ends up playing out is that we've got happier sheep and happier sheep have faster wound healing times. And the final benefit is it, and this is something that we, you know, we, don't, we don't see, but we certainly know about, is I suppose the societal effects. Um, of these marking procedures. And we know some of our marking procedures, as with all red med industries, can cause um, negative emotional, I suppose, uh, responses in ourselves, um, in our consumers, but also in our, in in our non-consuming um, public. So the great benefits are that we get to manage the expectations um, of our consumers um, inside and outside the supply chain. And like I said before, we're using the same products or the same type of products that a dentist would use of his patients, we use in our patients. So I think that's a great story. Um, for producers who are trying to gain, um, I suppose, into quality assurance programs, these um, products help you get into there. It helps maintain market access 
and basically we're maximising the comfort of our patients and I think that's a really um, great thing um, to be talking about um, to our consumers. Tim, you're out and about there all the time talking to producers. How are you finding the adoption of ANAs in industry? Uh, Fiona, I'm really happy to see that um, so many more producers are, are really kind of adopting these products and adopting both, which is fantastic to see. I think the big question that I get asked a lot of time is like, well, Tim, I'm not musing. Do I still use these products? And I always go, well, if we've got you know, any of those aspects, any of the behavioural, immune system, physiological or societal impacts of marking procedures, if we've got any of those, then my answer is always yes. So that's, you know, any tail docking, castration, those two procedures I think need to be addressed with ANA. So, um, you know, I've seen a lot more people embrace that and a lot more people be really happy with the outcomes they're seeing. You know, you know I suppose one thing that I can say hand on heart is that um, over my 14 years of being a vet um, is that no client has ever gone back after using these products. Some um, clients will change around a little bit because their personal preference changes because um, what the procedures they're doing on their sheet might change but no one has ever come back and changed their minds that this is not a great idea. Everyone is very happy with the outcomes they're getting um, using these products. Excellent, Tim, thank you. The last question I have, which just led into beautifully for me there, was they are changing around the products that they're using and it can be a little bit daunting and they obviously the best practice is to use them in combination and to make those decisions, there's a lot that weighs up against that. What should a producer do? Where can they go to get help to make these decisions? Yeah, no, I suppose my... Um, advice to that is just is go and see your local vet um you know all, all the all the good stuff's behind the counter at the bottle shop and there's a reason for that because it's the good stuff um and and all the products work in different ways and in different circumstances for example numb nuts only really works when you use rings trisulfan only works if you can spray it onto a wound um medicam is injectable um and buccalgesic is you know in the lips and some people really like some of those delivery systems some people don't like um, drenching sheep, some people don't like needles. And so, but there's a, because there's a combination that suits your um, particular procedures and your vet is the best person to have a chat about that. And um, basically, um, yeah, so it comes down to, if I was trying to list of how I would make my decisions, it would be on what procedures am I doing? What's my personal preference and how do I want to best address all those aspects of um, marking concerns? Excellent. Thanks, Tim, for the timely information you've shared once again with our listeners and for joining me on It's Time For You. Oh, Fiona, pleasure. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of It's Time For You, the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. We'd appreciate it if you could share our podcast within your networks. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the AWI podcast, The Yarn. We'd love you to stay in contact with Sheep Connect New South Wales, and you can do this in a number of ways. Join our network by visiting www.sheepconnectnewsouthwales.com.au. Find us at Sheep Connect New South Wales on Facebook and Twitter. We look forward to seeing you at our workshops and events later in the year. Thanks again for joining us today. Bye for now.